Section eighty two of Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tim Cleary. The World Story, Volume Five Italy, France, Spain, and Portugal. Edited by Eva March Tappin. Section eighty two the coming of louis the eighteenth eighteen fourteen by louisa maubach after the execution of louis the sixteenth his little son was recognized by england and russia as louis the seventeenth he is believed to have died from the neglect and cruelty of his jailers in eighteen fourteen paris was overwhelmed by the forces of the leading states of europe napoleon was exiled to the little island of elba and louis the eighteenth brother of louis the sixteenth was set upon the throne of france the editor the restoration was complete the allied powers had left france at last and louis the eighteenth was now absolute master of france in him in the returned members of his family and the exiles streaming homeward from all directions old france was represented the france of unrestricted royal power brilliant manners intrigues luxury aristocracy and frivolity in opposition to them stood young france the generation trained by napoleon and the revolution the new aristocracy which possessed no other ancestors than its great achievements and its fame these two parties stood face to face old and young france struggling at the court of louis the eighteenth carrying on an hourly untiring warfare except that young france which had always been accustomed to come off victorious now suffered daily new defeats and humiliations it was now old france that carried the day and it conquered not by the virtue of its courage its achievements it conquered by the virtue of its past which was now to be connected directly with the present regardless of the chasm that yawned between king louis had of course promised all his subjects in the compact of april the eleventh that their titles and dignities should remain intact and the new dukes princes and marshals counts and barons might appear at court but they played there only a sorry humiliating part and were made to feel keenly that they were only tolerated not welcome the gentlemen who had been entitled before the revolution to enter the king's equipage retained the right now and the doors thereof never once opened to the gentlemen of the new napoleonic nobility the duchess of angouleme was the shining example of the ladies of saint germain in their intolerance and right-handed scorn of the now obsolete empire she was the most unrelenting of all in her attitude towards the new era and its representatives and she the daughter of the guillotined royal pair had herself suffered long in the temple and had made the acquaintance of the horrors of revolution in their direst forms she meant now to try to forget the time which she could not avenge and to appear as if it had never been at one of the first dinners which the king gave to the allied powers the duchess of angouleme sat beside the king of bavaria and pointing to the grand duke of baden she asked 
is not that the prince who married a princess of napoleon's creation what weakness to ally himself thus with that general the duchess forgot or did not wish to remember that the king of bavaria and the emperor of austria who sat at the duchess's other side and could not fail to hear everything that she said had allied themselves to the general when she had resumed possession of her former dwelling in the tuileries the duchess of angouleme asked Aude dubois her former piano tuner who had held the same office under the empire and was showing the duchess the fine new instrument purchased by josephine where her own the duchess's piano was this piano had been a wretched old spinet and the duchess was surprised not to find it ignoring the thirty years that had passed since she last saw it and acting as though august the tenth seventeen ninety two the day when the people destroyed the tilleries had never been it had become a matter of principle to ignore the time from seventeen ninety five to eighteen fourteen and the bourbons seemed really to have forgotten woefully that between the last levee of louis the sixteenth and to-day's reception of louis the eighteenth there lay more than a passing night the duchess seemed amazed that people whom she had known as small children had grown up in her absence and she tried to greet every one as she had done in seventeen eighty nine after josephine's death the count of artois visited malmaison which had scarcely existed before the revolution and was wholly due to josephine's sense of art and her love of the beautiful at malmaison the empress who had a great love of botany had built superb greenhouses in which the plants of the whole world were represented for all the princes of europe knowing the empress's taste had rivalled one another in the days of her greatness in the eagerness to send her rare and precious plants and flowers the prince regent of england had even found means during the war with france to send some rare slips to the empress and the greenhouses of malmaison finally became the most complete of all europe and a real storehouse of treasures for botanists the count of artois went to inspect the famous dwelling of the empress josephine and when the greenhouses with their rarities were shown to him he exclaimed as if recognizing the plants of seventeen eighty nine ah there are our old plants from the trianon and as the bourbons their lords and masters so did the exiles return with the same ideas which they had taken with them they proposed to renew all the habits customs and pretensions of seventeen eighty nine they were so occupied with the contemplation of their own deserts that they had eyes or ears for nothing else yet the only service which they had rendered was their own immigration and now they proposed to be rewarded for that every one of the exiles demanded some recompense either in the form of a position or a pension and found it incomprehensible if the same were not instantly withdrawn from their present possessors there was one continuous intrigue and cabal until at last old france did actually succeed in supplanting new france in place power and pension as he had already done in the honours of the courts all the high positions of the army were filled with the marquises dukes and counts of ancient france 
who had been embroidering tapestries or tying silk threads in coblins while new france was upon the field of battle and now these valiant exiles proposed to teach the soldiers of the empire the old routine of seventeen eighty meanwhile the cleverest the most wide awake of all these gentlemen was their lord and master louis the eighteenth he recognized the faults and errors of all those who surrounded him and had very little confidence in the people of the court but he could not emancipate himself from their influence and after he had in the face of the will and opinion of his whole family his court and ministers given a charter to his people and placated them in spite of the resistance of monsieur and the prince of conde who habitually called the charter mademoiselle la constitution de seventeen ninety one louis retired into the interior of the tuileries and left it to blancas to manage the details of the government the king thought the more important affairs alone worthy of his attention End of section 82. This recording is in the public domain.